0: other for sharing that this morning and uh, that part of that song that said um, I believe it goes if you could buy this whole world with a solitary dime it it wouldn't matter our treasure is in Christ our treasure is in heaven Uh, we I'm so grateful for that this morning I'm thankful for the Lord for the opportunity to share this morning and uh, I pray that it's not too long I uh, just want to again Thank the Lord for this opportunity, and uh, I want to, in this, always, I always want to point you towards Christ and the treasure that he is. Um, so as I share with you this morning, um, I came across a little uh, story, I don't even know where I heard it from, but uh, somebody was speaking about uh, Charles Spurgeon, and uh, he had written uh, a little a little paragraph in uh, in a book called Lectures to My Students, and I'd like to read that and then uh, read some more stuff for you this morning. So, And the story goes, you remember the story of an old minister who heard a sermon by a young man, and when he was asked by the preacher what he thought of it, he was rather slow to answer, but at last he said, if I must tell you, I did not like it at all. There was no Christ in your sermon. No, answered the young man. Because I did not see Christ was in the text. Oh, said the old minister, but you, but do you not know that from every little town and village and tiny Hamlet in England, there is a road leading to London. Whenever I get hold of a text, I say to myself, there is a road from here to Jesus Christ. And I mean to keep on his track till I get to him. Well, said the young man. But suppose you are preaching from a text that says nothing about Christ. Then I will go over hedge and ditch, but I will get to him. So must we do, brethren. We must have Christ in all our discourses, whatever else is in or not in them. There ought to be enough of the gospel in every sermon to save a soul. And so I wanted to tie this into scripture. This uh, I wasn't sure exactly how to. How to do this, and and this morning, as I was reading, I was reading from my uh, uh, commentary on on the Gospel of John from uh, Henry Ironside, and uh, he starts off with the scripture uh, in John chapter seven, verses thirty-seven through thirty-nine. Um, in the last days, the great day of the peace, Jesus stood and cried, saying, "If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink." He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost heart shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And I want to read his uh, commentary on this. And as I go through this, um, I just have the thoughts of, How rich the scriptures are. Even in the Old Testament, something that may seem obscure, uh, something that's, uh, I know my girls are reading through, uh, the Old Testament on Sunday afternoons, and I think, uh, they're in, in Leviticus, and I know it's a a labor to read through those. But in those scriptures, you can see Christ. You can see Christ in them if you continue, you just, you look for Him, you go through those hedges in those, in those ditches to get to Him, and, and sometimes and oftentimes, um, there are men of God who have, have written on these things. Uh, they give you historical context, and they let you understand the fullness of the Scripture uh, even more than what you would just studying it sometimes on your own. So I'm grateful for that, but bear with me as I read this. I hope it's a blessing to you. Um, in these verses, our Lord was directing the minds of his listeners onto a new dispensation. He came, as we know, under the law. He came in exact accordance with all Old Testament prophetic scripture. He came to magnify the law and to make it honorable. But throughout his glorious ministry, while pointing out the failures of the people under the law, he spoke constantly of that grace and truth which he came to make known. We have already considered his various interviews in the temple, and now we come to something that took place on the last day, the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It had been customary on the last day to have a special service called the pouring out of the water. On that day, a company of white-robed priests went down to the pool of Siloam. They filled their jars with water from the pool, and they walked back to the temple and poured out the water in the presence of the people. This was to call to their minds the marvelous provision that God had made for Israel during the days of their wandering in the wilderness. When they came murmuring to Moses, he cried to God, and he said, Thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it. Moses did so, and as the rock was cleft, the water gushed out, and the people had all they needed. On a later occasion, shortly before they entered into the land, When again they were in distress because of lack of water, God said, Take the rod, Aaron's rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. But Moses smote the rock twice. The water came out abundantly, but Moses had not followed God's directions. He was a bit troubled and irritated, and he was a great He made a great blunder. Sometimes, you know, God's servants do get troubled and upset. Moses actually lost his temper on this occasion. As a result, he spoiled God's lovely type. The smiting of the rock in obedience to God in Exodus 17 was a beautiful type of the smiting of Christ with the rod of judgment. When Moses lifted the rod up over the Red Sea, the waters parted asunder and the people went through on dry ground so it was perfectly proper that he should use the same rod on the rock. That rock was Christ. Christ had to be smitten in the judgment on Calvary's cross, and when the wrath of God that was our due fell upon him, he bowed his head beneath that rod. When the rock of ages was cleft for us, the living water Mm -hmm. flowed forth for the refreshment of a famishing world. Do you know he was only smitten once in judgment, having died for our sins? He is never to die again and will never have to know the smiting of the rod of judgment again. That question has been settled once for all. Lord, we come to you with thanksgiving this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you Struck your son for us, Lord, that we would have this wellspring of water flowing out of our innermost parts, God. I pray, Lord, that you would stir us this morning, that you would allow us, Lord, to see your glories all throughout your word, the glories of Christ, our Savior, and help us, Lord, that we might submit ourselves to you as we hear your word, Help us again to be doers of Your Word as we glory in what You have done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.